माई सेवन चक्रस एपिसोड टू फोर्टी टू वाई बी अनहैपी अबाउट समथिंग इफ इट कैन बी रेमेडीड एंड वाट इज द यूज ऑफ बींग अनहैपी अबाउट समथिंग इफ इट कैन नॉट बी रेमेडीड From the base of the spine to the crown of the head, for thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers, and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. Kumar. What's up Action Tribe AJ here host and founder of My 7 Chakras the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will surely completely transform your life so if you are new to the show and to the chakras overall then I want to welcome you to My 7 Chakras not 5 not 8 but My 7 Chakras and before moving on let's listen to a recent iTunes review to hear what our community has to say about the show now this five star rating and review is by a user named Eric Chitlins who is apparently with his or her pet animal or stuffed toy while listening to the show and writing this review so let's listen to what the review says i am laying here with my little tiger my familiar and we are listening to your fabulous show you bring much light into my life over the last few months please keep doing a great job inspiration action tribe aditya jay kumar 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 <laughs> i love the audio intro and the repetition was because there's some sort of an echo in my intro it says kumar kumar and it seems like some people like it so eric thank you for the kind words and for writing in i really appreciate your love action taker if you want your review to be read out by me like this one that make sure you share your thoughts your views your experiences in the form of an iTunes review the link you need is simple it's my7chakras.com/review that's my7chakras.com/review i received a ton of reviews till date from places like US Canada the UK and Australia so especially if you're from a country other than those that i just mentioned then it's your turn to represent your country and express your voice among our global community so you know you can step up right now the link you need uh, to share your message is my7chakras.com/review super simple forward slash review that's our website and make sure that you share your name as well so that i can thank you and with that being said we are now ready to move on to our interview uh, our super awesome guest for today is or shahar uh, so uh, or am i pronouncing your surname correctly yeah that's not that easy Oh, Shahal will oh, be the right Shah. pronunciation, but it's oh. very hard. I know. <laughs> Perfect. And so is my name. But I want to ask you: Are you ready to inspire? Yes, I am, and I'm very thankful that you asked me this because it's kind of setting my motivation to what I really want to do here. So, oh, thank absolutely. You. Yes. Well, that's exactly why I sort of call myself AJ as well, right? <laughs> It's much more simple <laughs> and straightforward. And uh, Action Tribe, if uh, you don't know already, or Ah Shaha took her first yoga course over 10 years ago during her first trip to India. Now, at only 18 years old, at 23, recovering from depression, she took a plane to India again, where she discovered her deep connection to Buddhism. 
took her first yoga teacher training and started to practice seriously. For the past four years, she has taught yoga in the Berlin area while deepening her own practice every day and spending restorative time raising her beloved dog. On her website, Aw helps yoga practitioners who feel like their weekly class is not enough. Her guidance helps practitioners deepen their practice in a way that works with their schedules and their budgets. So, Aw, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Wonderful. So it's so exciting. It's so exciting. I love the topic of yoga. But today we're going to talk not just about, I mean, we're going to talk about yoga, but yoga in many angles that you might not have seen before. So let's begin Mm. with some inspiration. My question is, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And how do you apply that quote in your regular life? Yeah, my favorite quote is from the guide for the Bodhisattva way of life. It's from chapter six about patience. And it goes like that. Why be unhappy about something if it can be remedied? And what is the use of being unhappy about something if it cannot be remedied? Yeah, so how do I use it in my life? I I am a chronical warrior. <laughs> I worry about everything, more or less. And this quote kind of helped me to not worry about things that I I cannot really change or if I already know the solution then it helps me to yeah to trust the process and trust my intuition and trust my solution wonderful I love that quote and uh, I love the concept of bodhisattva because I myself do follow a form of Buddhism I follow mm-hmm. SGI Soka Gakkai and I love Buddhism I embrace it completely And I love this quote in particular, why be unhappy about something if it can be remedied? What's the use of being unhappy if it cannot be remedied? And for what I get from this is no matter what situation you're in life right now, uh, know that there is a person, a book or a solution to it. Uh, And the uh, goal is not to just be in that state of unhappiness but to actually do something, to find out more information, to find out whether there's a solution to this or whether you need to take a different course of action. But whatever it is, make sure that you just don't stay in that state of unhappiness because you don't deserve it. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, You took your first yoga class over 10 years ago in India, correct? Yeah, that's true. So Uh, what made you... I come originally from Israel. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Please go ahead. I I think it builds the context. (laughs) Yeah, I come originally from Israel, and there it's very common that people um, travel after their army service to India. And my sister was doing this kind of a trip, and she was in India for quite a long time. And then after the same time, she wanted to come back, and she somehow convinced my parents to take me with her when I was very, very young. I was just 18. I was just finishing high school, so it's a bit... Yeah, I was not in the average age of people who travels there, but it was an amazing experience that definitely inspired the rest of my life. Wonderful. So which part of India did you go to? Mostly northern India. Like this course that I took was in Dharamsala, and we were a little bit in Rishikesh and other parts. But Dharamsala really stayed in my heart uh, for many, many years until today. And I came back to there again and again. Nice. So obviously, when you go into India for the first time, you had a mental image or you had something in your mind of what India would be like. So did it match the expectations of what you had or how was it like? 
No, it didn't uh, match any expectation I had because <laughs> I think I couldn't even imagine something right. like India. It was so outside of everything I couldn't even imagine. So, yeah, like, of course, I saw some pictures and, you know, I knew more or less. I heard stories from my sister and from other people, but yeah. the real life experience is, um, yeah, uncomparable. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. So you had that visit and then later on in life, uh, at 23, you were suffering from some depression, correct? So could you tell us what were, what yeah. was the cause of that depression? What what really started it? Yeah, I think it was a combination of many things, like everything, more or less. Yeah, yeah it was like um, after some kind of a family crisis, you know, things started to become better and relax. And then I kind of started to um, experience more of all of the pain that happened in my youth, the pain that happened to me during this family crisis. And yeah, just a lot of things came up and also a lot of questions that today I can see them as um, spiritual questions, religion questions, you know, who am I? I, why am I doing here? What do I want to do with my life? And I didn't have so much the tools and the resources that I have today to deal with these kind of questions. So it led me in one way or another to this kind of ep episode. Right. Yeah. So what I'm getting is you had two things come up. One is you had your, you know, the family crisis that you had to go through and things became better. But then at a certain point, you had you sort of went back into those memories, uh, some of the relationship challenges that you had kept coming back as memories and the other thing is as a person you sort of started asking these more uh, spiritual questions you know uh, for which you didn't have any answer and so that quest uh, started within you and you wanted those answers and you wanted to find a solution to uh, uh, you know some of the challenges that you were, that you were facing and so so then you decided to go back to India correct yeah, it took some time when I started to recover and I felt better and I was already in art school and I was on my way to doing my bachelor. Okay. Um, at some point, I understood that this is not for me and I needed to follow my true wishes and my true passions and really to do something with all of these mm -hmm. questions inside of me. Like maybe some of the trauma already went away and some of the depression already went away but these questions didn't left me <laughs> yeah. so I just uh, decided to go back to India and do some more learning and some more explorations into who I am and mm -hmm. what this life is even about yeah so when you decided to go to India was it that you had a set mindset to do yoga in India or was the fact that you did yoga in India something that came about later after you visited India? No, I came with a very clear motivation and intention to learn. Okay. I didn't really know what I want to learn, but I was already oh, okay. practicing yoga at the time. So I said, okay, I want to learn yoga. I want to explore more about yoga. I want to understand it more. Uh -huh. uh, but I didn't have a very clear vision where exactly I want to go. But it cleared out extremely fast like I had all obstacles cleared the moment I've got there and yeah after three days I already found my first Buddhism course okay and after a week and a half I was already in and since then I didn't stop doing courses for almost half a year or something like that yeah. right 
So how did you encounter Buddhism? Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking, okay, I've been in India already before. What was my favorite place? Dharamsala. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I just came back to Dharamsala and it was a, actually a very funny story. I met a high school friend that I didn't saw in years. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden in the streets of the tourist area in Dharamsala in McLeod Ganj. And he told me, yeah, you know, there is a friend of ours also from high school. She's doing a course here in this meditation center called Tushita up in the hill. And yeah, and I just went with him to, to check out this place and I automatically registered to this course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is how I've done my first 10 days introduction to Buddhism. And I came back to to shit a meditation place um, to do more courses. I even volunteered there afterwards for over a year. Mm-hmm. It became my second home very fast. Yeah. Oh, wonderful! I mean, they say in Buddhism that the person who introduces you to Buddhism is sort of like a, you know, like an angel, you know, who mm-hmm. came to your life just to talk to you about this form of Buddhism because there are so many forms of Buddhism, right? But to practice the correct form of Buddhism for yourself and to find it at the right time in your life is definitely a blessing. So what did you like about the practice of Buddhism? What, you know, Why did it really you know, uh, interest you? Uh, what did you find that served you so much about Buddhism and at that point in your life? Yeah, I think for me... Mostly in this specific course, when I've done the 10 days introduction course, it was just very well structured and very clear and very, um, yeah, very easy to understand. And it was not so much about esoteric. It was not so much about, you know, things being maybe like that, you know, they know what they are talking about. They knew how to explain it and they knew how you can use it in your daily life. And that was for me, um, yeah, something that I really needed at that point. Yeah. So that was one aspect of it. And I think the other aspect of it is also that it really resonated with what I already believed in. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was doing this course, it was kind of like, yeah, I, I really believe that deep inside of me there is something that is wiser, but I just need to access it. I really believe that we need to be more, more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Um, there were all kind of things that I felt like I already believe in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now somebody just formulated it in a way that I can use it. Got it, got it, got it. So you loved the simplicity. You loved the fact that it was not very esoteric, you know, not too complex or complicated. But a lot of what you were learning was basically validating the values that you had within you. But now you were sort of making sense of all of that and sort of learning how to be a more uh, evolved human being. So uh, during this trip, you also did a teacher training program, right, in India? Yeah, I've done a very short kind of private teacher training, but it was not something that uh, really enabled me to teach afterwards. I was trying to teach, but I felt when I was really giving it a try, I felt really fast that it was not enough. And I've done a second training when I came here to Germany. Sure. So how was the experience like uh, in India to do that training program, the teacher training program? Yeah, it was, as I said, it was not um, very long, (laughs) (laughs) but it was very intense and it was very interesting. Yeah. Got it. And how did it change you as a person? Because you were facing some challenges, uh, right, at that stage in your life? Yeah, I think this whole time when I was doing this training and I was doing this 10-day 
course, um, I cannot, yeah, like this whole time, everything together was uh, really transforming me just to being a more positive person because I all of a sudden found some kind of a place where I felt that I belong. I found something that I felt that I want to do more of, I want to explore and go deeper into. Mm-hmm. which I didn't have, for example, as I know, as I mentioned that I was in art school yes. and I was already doing my, already on my way to doing my bachelor and I didn't felt this inspiration. So for me, it was really transform- transformative to just have this kind of a feeling, wow, I found something that I really feel at home with. And this is something I really, really needed at the time. So because the reason why I'm asking is that many of our listeners who are listening to the show right now want to have that same feeling of being at home with some practice right so i'm sure it must have felt really wonderful especially coming from a vocation that you had started but found out that you weren't really passionate about and then coming to yoga and then coming to a a, you know a different country and encountering buddhism up on the hills and doing (laughs) teacher training program I'm, i'm sure it must have felt like a paradigm shift for you right so that's amazing yeah definitely Right. So, like I said, many of our listeners uh, love yoga, uh, and out of those people, many have a deep and regular practice, which is great. But some folk have fallen off the wagon for whatever reason. Uh, they used to do it more regularly, but because of how busy we tend to be, the yoga practice falls down the priority scale. Right. And even me, I need to deepen my yoga practice and practice more regularly. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to deepen their yoga practice? Yeah, as I said, I think the first thing I would maybe say is that everybody has different phases in their life. And as you said, and I can also say, you know, sometimes the practice is more stable, sometimes it's less stable. But as long as you have a practice, even if it has, you know, lower and highs um it's good to just keep going just keep going just keep going and uh, yeah something is always better than nothing this is kind of like my motto in this kind of a thing like if you if you are in a period when you're feeling like you are yeah fell off the wagon which is a yeah a thing in and of itself like where is this wagon you know it's something that we made up for ourselves so even if you feel like you are in a time when your practice is unstable, just try to practice it as much as you can. Like even if it's a shorter practice or maybe you need some kind of new inspiration, some kind of a new practice, yeah. just start with where you are and just do whatever you can without judging it. And then when you start where you are and just do whatever it is, then inspiration and motivation comes from that. And most people walk the other way around. They walk they wait for inspiration to come and they w- wait for the- themselves to be motivated and then, you know, then they will practice. But the reality is that it kind of needs to work the other way around. You sift yourself to practice. Yeah. You open your mat to practice and from there, in- inspiration and motivation flows. So the you actually drive inspiration, like we're learning today, stems from the momentum that you build from taking action, especially if it relates to yoga. Many times the challenge is that people wait for some inspiration, some motivation that will, you know, take them back to their practice. But like Aw is sharing today, you don't have to really do a long practice session for yoga. It can be a short practice as well. But the very fact that you gotten back to that wagon, you started moving, you're doing some asanas, you're doing some flows, 
that change in energy in your body will lead to some inspiration that will help you strengthen your practice now or you've written in one of your blogs that it's important to create the infrastructure for your yoga practice first right before going deeper so what do you mean by that yeah i am a very big believer in this and i say this from my own personal experience but also yeah from my experience as a teacher and as somebody who is into yoga for many years now already and i saw really a lot of practitioners that you know they try to do very high practices yeah and maybe tantric practices or you know very complicated asanas or you know go on a very long retreat but they don't have the ethical basis you know the the very simple teachings the first teachings of yoga and then it's like trying to build a very very big house you know like a skyscraper without working on your infrastructure first because i see really that this ethical basis you know how do i treat other people how do i treat myself do i have some kind of a guidelines that support me and help me to to keep this direction to to know what i want to be doing and what i don't want to be doing and saying um yeah, it really, I really see the difference. Wonderful. So I love uh, where we're going right now because what you mentioned is that there are different facets of yoga, right? And different levels of yoga. Yoga literally is like a huge encyclopedia or even a library where you have tantric practices and maybe more complex asanas and headstands and whatnot. Uh, stuff that you tend to see a lot in uh, videos but that's not all what yoga is all about you need to have that foundation that groundwork that will help you build that uh, skyscraper like you mentioned uh, of your practice but uh, could you talk to us a bit more about what yoga teaches us about uh, ethics and behavior so because that's a facet that not a lot of people talk about correct? yeah yeah, that's true, and I find it very unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I think the first thing is really the golden rule of all ethical guidelines is just don't do to other people what you, you wouldn't want to experience yourself from them. Um, yeah, so it starts, I usually work more with the Buddhist ones, but the yogic one, the Hindu ones are not very different. Um, yeah, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, which is a big one. It's not that easy. <laughs> um, it also talks about like even if you're using intoxicants, so using it in moderation or maybe, you know, not using it at all because yeah. it also doesn't really help your mind to, to become more clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, being compassionate, being clean in what you are doing uh, yeah there are a lot of guidelines and there are a lot of different sets of guidelines that one can choose from and i find it important to just find one set of guidelines if it's the 10 non virtues from the buddhist canon or the yama and niyamas from the eightfold path from patanjali um or even you know the the jewish uh, 10 commandments you know that if that's work for you uh, that's good i don't recommend to mix and match i just say choose one and just try to follow it in your daily life and maybe hang it somewhere you know as a reminder and try to follow it in your daily life because there are so many opportunities when we can use this Got it. when we are, are in a situation that we can lie but maybe you know i think no now i'm trying to to practice you know only 
telling the truth. So I will alter the way I react to this. Got it. So you've given us three references. One is a Buddhist reference, a Hindu and a, a, a Jewish reference. I heard the Jewish one clearly as well as the reference from uh, Patanjali, the Eightfold Path. Could you repeat what you said about the Buddhist reference so that people can maybe take note and uh, check it out? Yeah, it's called the Ten Non-Virtues. And usually we talk also about the Ten Virtues. Choose. So we don't just talk about what not to do, but also about ah. what to do. And you can even look at my website. I think it's called Are You Neglecting the Roots of Your Spiritual Path? Mm-hmm. Or something in this direction. And I wrote a very, very long blog post about the 10 non-virtues. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that. It's so much needed because as a practitioner, as a creator, you know, no matter who you are, as you grow in influence as you become a leader you know it's sort of easy to neglect these basic tenets these basic principles but if you you know if your if your groundwork is strong then you know who you are and what you stand for so this is so important uh, or could you talk to us about the yoga practice now what are some benefits of practicing yoga regularly and also if you could elaborate on how many times in a week would you consider a regular yoga practice um i can start with the benefits because sure. <laughs> it's easier <laughs> yeah. yeah i think the main benefit is that you just evolve as a person i think that should be the main motivation that i would recommend somebody to start with uh, of course it has a lot of health benefits um i find it on myself that i just feel more flexible and more strong mm-hmm. um i maybe not look very you know strong but i feel it when i i go through my days and i feel that my body is something that can support me and in the same way i feel that the more i practice it also helps my mind to become stronger and more flexible and i also know my mind better i think this is the main benefit that i'm experiencing that i know myself better i know my mind i know my body I yeah I'm feeling more comfortable in my own skin. Wonderful. So there are a lot of benefits action tribe flexibility is something that is you know marketed and promoted a lot but beyond that you become stronger not just outside it's not just external strength it's not bodybuilding but you become strong inside as well. It's all about endurance and knowing who you are. So I love the fact that you said that yoga is also about the mind. Yoga helps you get to know yourself and your mind much better which is the ultimate form of strength because then you can do anything because once you you know overcome your mind or the limitations that are there within your mind that's when you can really uh, achieve a lot now or you definitely have something to say about yoga as well as meditation right so could you talk to us about meditation as it relates to yoga or our yogic practice yeah so i think today it's somehow marketed as two separate things uh-huh. like there is yoga and there is meditation and there are historical reasons for that how this developed um, in yoga in the west but i don't want to go into that right now mm-hmm. um but for me personally as a yoga practitioner and also as a buddhist practitioner these two things are totally connected like meditation is a part of yoga um i don't see it as something separate to it and yeah for me all the other practices that we talk about in yoga 
yoga, they are a form of meditation or a form to support yourself in your meditation. Like I see it really as two things that you cannot separate. Wonderful. I love that uh, you mentioned that you cannot separate uh, meditation and, and yoga. Uh, actually try uh, yoga in India especially is termed yoga which is the union of mind body and spirit so mind and body go together and I would like to add another element which is spirit because when you're doing your poses your yoga poses not only are you focusing a certain way your body is also moving a certain way your breath which is your spirit is also being trained to uh, coincide or coordinate with your uh, body and your mind so it's a wonderful uh, dance of the mind body and spirit that you indulge in through yoga and that's why it's so important to not neglect meditative part of aspect of yoga and not consider both separate but together so uh, thanks a lot for sharing that yeah i think it's really just complement each other like if you do the asanas and if you do the pranayama, so you just kind of prepare your body and your mind for meditation. And if you do your meditation, so it gives another quality to your asana practice. It's something that I can definitely say from my own personal experience. So true, so true. And it reminds me of what uh, Tony Robbins and many high-performance coaches talk about, uh, which is if you look at uh, Olympians and high-performance athletes, before they actually run the 100 meters or 500 meters race, they actually spend a lot of time visualizing the race. They visualize mm. how they're going to feel, how they're going to breathe, you know, what is the tension that they might you know that they might, might feel or the expectations from the crowds everything they go through that and once they do that they're able to perform way better in the race right so like you mentioned the meditation can really help you perform better during your physical asanas if that's what you want to get better at uh, which, which is amazing uh, now, yeah. you did speak about yoga in the West for a bit and you didn't want to go down that tangent. But my question next was exactly something similar, which is you've been to India twice at least now. What is the difference, yeah. uh, according to you, between how yoga is practiced in India and in the West? Oh, there is a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when I came to teach in Germany, it took me some time to really get used to how yoga is treated here like I was not surprised and I think right. that in Israel it's not that much different but there is definitely a much more spiritual aspect to yoga when you teach and when you study it in mm -hmm. India that's I, I would say the biggest difference people are not afraid to talk about spirituality yeah. even if the group is only westerners um Talking about the spiritual aspect of yoga, talking even about the esoterical uh, parts of yoga or Buddhism are much more common when you take courses there. And in the West, people are kind of afraid to scare people off. And yeah. especially in Germany, people are very skeptic. So you need to be very, very careful, you know, not to raise too much skepticism and another like a part of it another aspect of it is that people from my opinion at least don't talk in the west so much about enlightenment yeah but i but i really felt when i came was maybe the biggest difference and the biggest part that 
was kind of like missing was that people didn't talk about enlightenment or samadhi or the goal of yoga. Yeah. From my point of view, at least, like in India, it was very clear we are doing this because we are striving to, to reach this kind of state as a human. And in the West, people don't talk about it, like the motivation that people have for doing yoga vary from in very degrees and sometimes unfortunately it can become quite uh, superficial yeah so why do you think that is why do you think that people in the west or at least especially uh, maybe more men and many women mm. tend to have this i would say fear but also this uh, wanting to push away the spiritual aspects or the enlightenment part of yoga in discussions or when practice and just solely focus on the physical aspect why is it like that and why does it why does it have to take a person like steve jobs <laughs> who would never have spoken about this aspect right if he was in mm. california but why as, but as soon as he goes to india it sort of allows the person the westerner uh, mm. to indulge and speak about these topics so why why is there this uh, this fear or this not wanting to speak about this this aspect of yoga, which is so critical. Yeah, I think it has two parts. I think the first part is really this kind of general fear from spirituality and religion. I see it mm. even in my own home. My boyfriend, yeah. every time you talk about something that sounds slightly religious, you know, people just close up because I think in India people still trust their religion, even if right. they are not religious anymore they still trust this concept. And in the West, a lot of people, yeah, also historically, and especially here in Europe for the world wars and things like that, people just lost all kind of trust and belief in the religious system. So that's one aspect of it. And I think the other one that, yeah, obviously connected that, that what did happen, and that it, we develop some kind of other religious around money and around consuming and uh-huh. very materialistic kind of religion, you can yes. say, when people, you know, try to achieve these kind of goals, this becomes their goal in life. Mm-hmm. And then it's contradicting because if you want to achieve samadhi and become, you know, very, very rich and powerful and, you know, beat the system so it's it's kind of hard because it's not sharing a lot of values like i'm not saying Mm. that it's contradictory you can definitely do both you can be a very successful businessman and an amazing yogi but i think that the general value of wanting more and more and more it's not very comfortable uh, with the value of becoming wiser and passionate and letting go and discovering who you really are. It's not very, yeah, it's not very practical, you can say, or it's not very productive to the system. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree. You know, just focusing on materialism and looking at yoga as a marketplace you know mm. as a way to make money and to charge people money which is which is not bad because that takes us to a whole new topic and an important topic over conscious entrepreneurship and uh, the mm. spiritual energy of money which is so important in order to take away blocks from your life so that you can attract wealth into your, into your life but it's all about your, your your mind right you know do you look at yoga as a holistic practice or do you take aspects of it you know, 
uh, and not get the whole benefit of yoga and you just become more flexible <laughs> uh, mm. and that's it but i love the fact that you have touched on aspects of yoga today that aren't really spoken about much which is the ethics part of it which is the energetic part of it which is the spiritual part of it and really understanding yogic uh, philosophy as it uh, has to do with how it, how how it how it is done in india uh, and i'm not saying it's done in india perfectly obviously being an <laughs> indian you know you sort of uh, get uh, sort of disconnected sometimes because india does have a lot of influence from the west and so you mm-hmm. have the new generation of uh, kids that grow up that sort of feel a bit disconnected from uh, ancient india uh, ancient uh, indian history and and culture but now that's changing because now people are uh, starting to ask questions to their grandparents and reading the spiritual books and finding out more so it's it's a wonderful time to live in as we uh, you know connect back to our past um, and i'm i'm guessing yeah, that's that you wonderful. have the same experience in israel right i mean where people are connecting back to the uh 10 commandments or the torah or what was shared in the old times <laughs> yeah unfortunately not enough i wish it would be more like ah, that that okay. people will come back more to some form of spirituality there is a lot of pe- mm-hmm. people in israel that practice meditation there is a big community of people that practice buddhism there is even a bigger community of people who practice yoga but like everywhere else i think it's not very different a lot of it it's very on the surface level and it's still not something which is integrated in the society like i would really mm-hmm. wish that also in israel but also anywhere else that spirituality will be again something that is integrated as part of the society as part of our life not something that is disconnected from our life um but just as another aspect you know like you have work you have family you have your spiritual life and yeah. it used to be for every person like that and yes. today just work work a little bit of family and, yeah. and i think it's um yeah it's unfortunate it's not contributing to us as a human society Wonderful. now we've spoken about many aspects uh today uh you know facets of yoga that haven't been spoken about yet but Uh, are there any aspects of yoga other than what we spoke about that you feel are left out in yoga classes or yoga trainings these days that need more focus is there anything else that you'd like to share yes definitely um pranayama is something that i find one of the most fascinating exercises that you can find in yoga these are breathing exercises mm-hmm. and there are a lot of teachers that do teach that and there are a lot of trainings that do um teach their teacher that but it's often kind of neglected and mostly when people practice at home i think this is one of the first things that they kind of drop out you know and i think it's yeah. very unfortunate because it's actually for me personally it's much easier to do you know i don't need to change my clothes i don't need a special yeah. atmosphere for that i don't need to open the mat i don't need to do anything and it's much less mentally challenging uh, from yes. in you know if i compare it to meditation so meditation is much more challenging than pranayama yes. and it's a great great practice because you can really dive very deeply into relaxation in just you know 10 minutes or 7 minutes it's it's such a great practice and it's so yeah undervalued and underestimated so they go actually try if you love yoga but if you haven't really 
heard about pranayama then i strongly encourage you to check it out or you know uh, read about it or go online because pranayama is something that does not need a yoga mat you don't need to be in a separate location you can even do it in between uh, during a break during your office work because it has so many benefits uh, not just spiritual but also physiological because it infuses your blood with the much needed oxygen for you to have more energy and for you to be able to really do well in whatever you're doing during the day uh, and it improves your life so pranayama maybe we need a separate episode <laughs> on pranayama and fire breathing and kriya yoga but those are really really powerful aspects of yoga uh, yeah well. people can also go to my blog um i have a video blog about pranayama the two most important things you should know about pranayama and i personally sometimes just practice it in the train you know like i yes. nobody if you do it right so it's not too loud like maybe i don't do you know ujjayi breathing or fire breathing right. but if yeah. you do a quite simple exercise uh, you can do it really literally everywhere yes and what your how do people get to your blog yeah so you just go to www.freedomyoga.info um yeah and then you will see blog and i think this specific blog about pranayama it's under um upgrade your toolbox so i have like three main categories where i write my blog and one of it is about practicing regularly you can find a lot of resources about that and another one is deepen your understanding and then to, yeah upgrade your toolbox when it's really very specific and very action more, yeah motivating for action kind of video blogs got it we will definitely add that link in the show notes action takers to access the show notes for today's episode to read the inspirational quotes to uh, check out the nuggets of wisdom share to read the book recommendations go to my7chakras.com forward slash 241 that's my7chakras.com forward slash 241 We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. This is a wonderful quote by Albert Einstein. Action Tribe, I love this quote for two reasons. First, it tells us that we are the creators of our problem. Why is this important? It's important because it gives you the power and the knowledge that if you created your problem, then you have the ability to solve it as well. And the second reason why I like this quote is because Einstein told us that we cannot solve the problem with the same thinking we used to create them which means that we will have to think differently change your surroundings change your physiology maybe do some exercise some yoga some meditation maybe you can meet a trusted friend or do something during that day different because you realize that all of these things will help you change your mind and once you change the way you look at that problem you'll realize that the problem is not so bad after all because the truth is that you have the power within you to make a change so ah uh, take us back to a moment in your life when you were faced with the biggest challenge that you had to that 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 you encountered so how did it come in your life and what steps did you take to overcome that particular challenge yeah so we already touched about it a bit before um i think the hardest of op- obstacle that I overcame in my life was really my depression. Uh, it was not something that I just healed in, you know, a very short amount of time. 
it stayed as a part of who I am for quite a long time. And it's still, in a way, you know, something that comes and goes, and it's still part of who I am. But I think that what really helps me to to deal with this in a way that is healthy and productive is really to stay true to my own wishes, um, stay loyal to my own truth. And this is what led me to India. This is what led me to become a yoga teacher. This is is what led me to opening an online business as a yoga teacher. It's, um, yeah, it's always something that leads me and supports me in my life that I know that, you know, I want to love and appreciate and be compassionate to everybody, but I need to follow only my own advice and my own wishes, first of all. Got it. So if you had to share one major life lesson from your story with our listeners, what would that one major life lesson be in one sentence? Yeah, love everybody, appreciate everybody's opinion, but do your own thing. <laughs> so love everybody, appreciate everybody, listen to them, but at the end of the day, you know, do your own, right? Take your own decision. Yeah, in the end of the day, you're also the one who needs to carry the consequences. So you have to, to make your own choices and really be able to stand behind them and that for me really helped me to change my life to something that i'm very proud of and i'm very happy to to be in got it so thanks a lot for sharing that story with us you shared that the biggest obstacle in your life was depression at that point of time and to be honest all of us have some challenge or the other many of us have health challenges including me uh, some of us have, uh, you know, financial challenges or relationship challenges, but challenges are always there in our life at some point in time. Uh, the thing with you is that, you, you know, it, depression did not really go automatically, right? It stayed in your life over a period of time, decreasing gradually. And you found out that you could actually use different strategies or different, uh, you know, ways to sort of deal with your uh, depression and for you it was staying true to yourself right staying true to yourself and also taking action whether it was visiting india or becoming a yoga teacher or starting your business you d just didn't stay in your challenge but you used your situation to confront the situation and to take action that would change your life which i think is really inspiring not only for me but also for listeners who are listening to this episode right now who might feel that they have no way out of this situation so thanks for sharing yeah you're welcome <laughs> great so action drive we are coming towards the end of today's episode but not quite yet if you remember we have the wisdom round at the end but before that as always i want to have some one-on-one -on -one time with you if you've been listening to this show for a while now you might consider me as a friend of yours maybe a friendly voice that comes to you from time to time along with my guests encouraging you to trust yourself to look within to find your purpose to find meaning maybe and to take action and from the messages and emails that I've been receiving, it's clear that most of you have been able to use these 45 to 50 minutes that we have together to take a brand new look at your life so far. So I'm grateful that I've been able to have such an impact on your life. It's truly an honor. And if you had asked me five years back if I would ever be in such a position of service, I would think that you are joking. But here we are, you and me, co-creating this beautiful web of reality for each of our lives. It's beautiful. 
And that's exactly my message for you today. Just because you're physically away from someone or a group of people, it doesn't mean that you don't have an influence or an impact in their lives. Especially today, the energy within our heart is quicker and more powerful than we can ever begin to imagine. You know, if you think about it, just a simple prayer can save lives. A simple thought of gratefulness can make someone's day better, even if they don't know that you thought about them. A positive healing intention can actually have a therapeutic effect on a person or a group of people in pain. You and me, we're connected through my microphone and your earphone across space and time. I know it's crazy, but it's true. We are on the brink of some great discovery about the interaction of consciousness, space and time. And it's an, an amazing time to be alive. You know, you're listening to me in Vancouver or is in Berlin, correct? That's true, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know where you are. You could be anywhere in the world. So wherever you are, and if you feel alone or powerless, remember this quote by Nikola Tesla, who quite mystically said, every living being, is an engine geared to the wheelwork of the universe. Those seemingly affected only by its immediate surrounding, the sphere of external influence extends to infinite distance. Now, he, to <laughs> all people, was a scientist, but he was way more than a scientist. He was mystic and uh, he had gifts that we might not be able to realize. <laughs> and with that, we've arrived at the very last round for today. Like I said, the wisdom round... So that our listeners can take note and take action. So, uh, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? Yeah, I was visiting um, a book signing event by Gabriella Bernstein, and I was lucky enough to to have a few minutes to talk with her. And I was telling her it was a few years ago that I was just trying to start building my online business, and she said, "Yeah, just keep it fun," and that was really one of the best advice I've got because it's so easy to fall into just hassle, hassle, hassle and I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do that and mm. it's really important as I said to keep to your own true and do your own thing and keep it fun and follow the the joy Wonderful. so name one personal habit that keeps you strong and that keeps you going yeah, so I don't know if it's a habit but it's something that I have in my life I think it's my dog and and I really recommend everybody, if they want to contribute to their well-being, uh, adopting some kind of an animal to your house. I think it's something that's really, really helpful. Wonderful. And actually, Tribe, if you want to give me a pet, French Bulldog. <laughs> that's what, That's on my mind over the last couple of weeks. French Bulldog. It's so cute. It's so amazing. Uh, so and it's an amazing thing to have in the house. Isn't yeah. it? Uh, so what, what, what breed is your dog? My dog is a terrier. They are oh, a bit okay. um, crazy, but they are extremely sweet. And yeah, a dog, you know, it makes you go outside two, three times a day. You can always talk with them and they keep all of your secrets. You can pet them almost any time you want, unless they really don't feel like it at the moment. But I think it's really important for health and as I said I see it in my life all the time um, my dog Tara it's really one of the things that really keeps me going okay, great so what is your morning routine like these days yes yeah, so yeah as I wake up I first of all just drink some water at least uh, two glasses and then I do my yoga practice I had a very very 
make it practice for many, many years. Like I was doing the same thing at the same time every morning and every evening. But now, um, not so long ago, I, I came to the point when I felt like I need to do more flexible. So it changes every day. But the basic core of it is really like mindful movement and a little bit of pranayama and then a short meditation. And it depends how I feel that day. It depends um, what the day is bringing to me. And it depends, yeah, on many different aspects. But that's basically, yeah, what I'm trying to keep to. Great. And name one book that you'd like to recommend for our community today. Yeah, so I, I like to recommend uh, a G. Mohan and Indira Mohan book. It's called Yoga Therapy. Very simple. It's just yoga therapy. Um, it's a really great book about yoga. It covers all the basic in a way that it's really simple and clear and non-esoteric and crazy and very accessible. And it's not just for people who are interested in yoga therapy, For my, in my opinion. It's really for everybody who wants to understand the theory behind yoga in a more clear way that's a really great book for that wonderful so there you go action drive yoga therapy we'll have this link up in the show notes and in case you're looking for a new way to read your book then i have something for you uh, which is called audible.com in case you haven't heard about audible.com it these are audiobooks which means that instead of reading them just like a podcast you can start listening to your favorite books and i know that many of you purchase books as soon as you hear them shared on our show that's why audible.com is offering action tribe that means you guys one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out this new way of uh, going through a book now in case you don't know audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from to choose for your iphone android or kindle including bestsellers like the chakra system by anadia judith autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda and a new earth by eckhart tolle I'll have to check whether they have yoga therapy but there's a high chance that they might have you can check it out to download your free audiobook today go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book once again that's my7chakras.com forward slash free book to start listening to your book just like a podcast so ah, thank you so much for joining us today it was wonderful chatting with you talking about yoga your practice your your story uh before before uh, going tell us one thing that you're grateful for and tell us how we can find you online yeah, so the one thing that I'm grateful for is my dog. As I said, I'm uh, still in the um, animal um, area. And you can find me in www.freedomyogainoneword.info. Mm-hmm. just I-N-F-O and if you type that and then forward slash chakras then you can also directly download my ebook how to start uh, practicing regularly um, yeah it's a great book where I really talk about uh, different mindsets that you need in order to really start practicing regularly you know just talking about it great so thank you so much for coming on our show today, talking to us about deepening your yoga practice and taking us one more step closer to a human revolution. Thank you for having me. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. 
Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.